Today, I'll be talking with Patty from Galway, Ireland. Welcome to the podcast, Patty. Let's talk. Thanks very much for having me on, Grant. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here. You're the first person from Ireland I've been able to talk to, so this this is going to be interesting, especially with um, w- you know what I've heard about your current lockdown. So this is going to be interesting. Um, so when when the virus first hit, what what was your initial reaction to what was going on? Uh, I suppose, like everyone, I was fearful for my life. Um, I had it back in March, and you know, the funniest thing was, so I didn't really have a sore throat or anything like that. And then one day I just woke up and I had like every single symptom you could think of loss of taste and smell, terrible headache, awful stomach aches, sore throat. I'd never been sick like that before. And so I was like, this is it. This is me done now. Time, time to write the will. I'll leave my guitars to my girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. And then the next day I woke up and I was fine no symptoms, nothing. The only thing was for a period of about 10 days, I had lost my um, sense of taste and smell. So that was a pain. But then I ended up getting that back and everything was fine. And then somewhere around like uh, end of the summer, probably August, September, I started noticing a disdain for onions and I would put onions on everything like sandwiches, whatever. Uh, my father is the only man that I know who would eat an onion like an apple. You know what I mean? Like we all love onions in this house, but now they smell like a rotten armpit yeah. and taste like sour milk. And apparently that's a, a lingering side effect that I didn't even know about. So hopefully that goes away soon. But if it means that I can't eat onions for the rest of my life, I'm pretty lucky. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. And actually, you know, I didn't realize that you had 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 the virus. Um, that, that's So when you got it, did you know what it was? Or did you get it first and then find out what it was after? Well, the thing is, back then in Ireland, like the infrastructure wasn't really up to standard. And I think that's why we were the first country, at least in the Western world, to go into lockdown. Um, I remember I was flying over to the States to do my St. Patrick's Day shows in the middle of my flight. Leo Varadkar, who was the Taoiseach or Prime Minister at the time, um, he announced that Ireland was going into lockdown. But then I landed in America and everything seemed kind of fine. And I I wasn't really worried about uh, the virus or anything until I got back to Ireland and everything was shut down. That's when I kind of went into panic mode because I realized that you know, everywhere around the world is shutting down. This must be like our generation's uh, plague. So at that point when I had it, there was no real way of getting a test done. So uh, my dad had the antibody test and he tested positive for antibodies. And our GP said, there's no way of officially showing it without having the test done, but you 80% have COVID. So that's my answer to that question. Wow, that uh, yeah, that that's interesting. Um, so, in in March after it hit, then did what did they lock down pretty tight at the first wave? Um, I know you're probably locked down a lot tighter in the second wave, uh, such as same here. But the first wave wasn't quite the same. I mean, it was it was less for us, but still a lockdown. Yeah, for in Ireland, it was it was much much different. From March until about June, I think it was, 
Um, at least that's when I went over to the United States. I'm a dual citizen, so I'm very lucky, and my girlfriend lives over there. So I went over in June, and there was only eight people on the flight. But from March until June, the only person I saw was um, the shopkeeper, and one day I went into the bank in Air Square in Galway City, and that was it. Like I yeah. hadn't seen oh, yeah, any I mean, of my Irish friends from March until about September. So the first wave of lockdowns was definitely worse. And now this level five that we're back in is kind of similar to March, but they're trying to keep the schools open. So that's kind of good for my mental health, like because I'm a student. And, you know, I think uh, I think Irish people particularly are social creatures. You know, we're kind of like if we were all to be if nations were to be animals, I think Irish people would be the horse. You know, we kind of get along with everyone. I know, for, like, like I said, for us, it, it wasn't so bad at, at first. I mean, they, you know, they shut down some, you know, they shut down stores and restaurants and, you know, it was takeout and stuff like that. But I mean, it was, you know, spring time for us. So we were able to get out and, you know, go for walks and stuff. And then they loosened things up a bit in the summer. It wasn't so bad, but, um, Right now, we're, we're like, we're, it, for us, it's our tightest lockdown right now. It's like code red. But, um, so how much time during the, the pandemic did you spend in the States? Was it like 50, 50 or? Uh, I would say so. Like from March to June, I was in Ireland. And then from June to September, I was in America. And the funny thing is like, I didn't really notice during the first lockdown. I didn't really notice that we were in a lockdown, I guess, cause my mind state was sort of, uh, different it had altered when i went to america because when i was i was working every day and i was in contact with people and i didn't get sick and actually since march i haven't been sick at all so ironically this is the healthiest time i've ever been which doesn't make sense to me at all but i I suppose i'm i'm lucky or blessed or however you want to perceive it um so yeah i would say for about three months i was in i was in um in the states so and what like where in the states were you Boston, Massachusetts. Okay. Yeah. See, I haven't talked to anybody from Boston yet either. So that's kind of interesting. Um, so did you, now you're uh, getting to being that you were both in, in Boston. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, did you notice a big difference between, um, just the way people look at the virus in Ireland and in Boston? Was there a big difference the way they looked at things? Uh, yeah, there would be like, I noticed that a lot of my friends in Boston, like I'd be describing what's going on over in Ireland. And they're like, that's crazy. That would never happen here. You know, especially because the, like the biggest example is my age would be all driving cars in America, but not really too many people my age in Ireland drive cars at all because we have a great public transportation system. But the car is kind of like a a symbol of freedom. And if you were to tell Americans that they couldn't go more than three miles outside of their house, I think uh, they'd get a little stir crazy. Whereas in Ireland, like we just kind of accepted it or whatever. And we still are accepting it. Yeah. Um, But then like I'd be telling my Irish friends about what America was like and they're like, sure, how didn't you get sick? Because even though Massachusetts is relatively strict compared to other states in the US, they're like Texas compared to us. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's the same here. Like we, we, you know, we're a small 
you know, country compared to the States, you know, population wise, like, um, I live in Winnipeg, we're right in central Canada and, and our population here is like 800,000. So even our whole province is only like 1.3 million. So we're, we're pretty small. So our cases were nothing compared to, you know, what's been going on in the States. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think we see things a little differently than they do as well. Although, you know, we have had spikes that, that obviously put us in the lockdown we're in now. But, uh, yeah, we didn't see anything to, to the extent that they did in the States, that's for sure. I'm going to flip the cards around on you, Grant, if that's all right. What was the inspiration sure. between starting this podcast? Well, I, 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 the reason just to start a podcast at all was um, uh, photography is, is, is my hobby. That's like my passion. And, and there's not a lot of things to take pictures of when you're in such a strict lockdown in winter. That makes it even worse. So, I mean, there's only so many things I can take pictures of. So it's like, I got to find something to do to, you know, occupy my time and, and everything. So I, I had listened to a couple of podcasts and I thought, well, that sounds like it might be fun. And I went and I bought a mic and, you know, downloaded some software. And then I just came up with the idea that I, I just, I still believe that I think people want to tell their stories of, of what they're going through in the pandemic. And, and, and I think even though you're in Ireland and Boston and I'm in Winnipeg and, you know, the, the base thing we're going through, it's the same pandemic. So I, I thought that was really interesting that, that you know, to, to sort of share stories from around the world that were, it's the same, yet, you know, certain things about it are different. So that, that was sort of my main reason for doing this. Very cool. Yeah. I often, it's kind of reminds me of um, the seven up series. I don't know if you're familiar with the documentary series that the BBC did, but they followed these kids when they were seven years old. And then every seven years, they kind of checked in on them to see how they went on. And I feel like, although hopefully I'm wrong, but I feel like this podcast is going to go on for longer than, than we expect, unfortunately. But it'll be certainly interesting to look back and listen to all your archive because you'll have a treasure trove of great interviews that are first person, first hand account. Exactly, and that, and you know that that was part of it too. Like I, I believe that it. it I, I think it's it's going to be good to have a, a historical archive sort of thing, but not just like videos or news clips that you see, but actual people talking about what they actually went through. I think I think that's something that you know I think we need in all this and. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'd like to keep going with this as long as people want to keep sharing their stories. So I, I who knows? I, I, I believe it's a, a close-ended thing. It won't last forever. There will be a time where it'll sort of end. But even when it does end, I still want to keep the stuff posted so people can still listen to it. So that's that's my plan anyway. Yeah, sounds like a good plan. Have you been uh, finding it difficult to... I suppose because you're talking to different guests from different areas, but I imagine that with a podcast like this, it's kind of hard to um, keep it fresh, if that makes sense. I don't know. Well, not, I mean, not really, because I, I think, I think everybody's story, the base story is the same, but how they were affected, you know, in a lot of cases is different. Like I, I find it's almost like the theme of an interview would be different. Like I talked to a girl last week where we mostly talked about 
her just how good her attitude was and how she dealt with it and kept a positive attitude and looked at the you know tried to look at something good every day sort of thing and then i've talked to like a frontline nurse in chicago so that was a totally different type of of episode as well so i i think it varies so i don't think it's gotten to the point where it's like the same thing over and over i, I think everybody's story has been a, a different enough that at least for me i've been able to sort of learn something every time i talk to somebody that's good yeah, it's 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 been. A, I mean, I've enjoyed it. It's it's uh, it's very interesting to to find out how everybody's you know sort of dealt with this and and like like you yourself, you know, you you see a big difference between Ireland and Boston because you were in both, and and I think that's something that you know uh, people like myself sitting you know here in Winnipeg, we don't get to see those differences unless I actually talk to people I'd never really know. So. And, and there are a lot of huge differences. Like I've talked to people in, in India and, and they look at things far different than we do in the West. Like, like, you know, it's a whole different ball game over there. So it's interesting to see that, you know, even though it's a global pandemic and everybody's effective, that, that the effect is different depending on where you are, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned, uh, India, because I was reading this morning somewhere that people that aren't um, behaving with the lockdown sort of uh, code of conduct or whatever you want to call it, restrictions, regulations, etc., etc., uh, they're actually forced to do press-ups by the police, like do push-ups. So, Jesus, I'd want to be following the rules because I am, I'm severely unfit. <laughs> well, yeah, no. It, I, I, when I talked, I talked to two people from... Uh, two different areas in India. And yeah, that was the one thing that they said. It's very, very strict. Like they, they, they don't, you know, um, they don't play around. It's like, these are the rules and you're going to follow them. And if you don't, there will be consequences. Not like, you know, here in North America, it's, I mean, here we, we give a lot of fines and stuff, but there's still a lot of people that just sort of do their own thing and don't really care anyway. But I don't think you see as much in in um, like India and, and you know Malaysia. I talked to a girlfriend to that. So that whole Eastern culture seems, or you know, Asian Southeast, whatever, is is different. Yeah. So it's I, um how how bad? Go ahead. No, I was just going to ask. Like, I know, I know you're you're um you're you're a musician, you know, singer, and, and so how bad did this impact? your 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 livelihood and and you know your your art artistry or whatever um there must have been a pretty big impact when you got locked down oh absolutely like i so not to kind of brag or whatever but i used to play in the united states quite a bit even if it was just pub shows although i have done uh two theater shows and i was looking forward to doing maybe a third one this year but that's not going to happen um and when i'm in galway then i would sing on the streets for money it's called busking and that would give me so much joy and you'd meet a lot of interesting musicians you'd meet a lot of interesting people and there's nothing more fulfilling than getting the stranger walking by you with the ear pods in to take out their ear pods listen to you and give you some money and so that was great i thoroughly enjoyed that and then when i had that removed from me plus being overseas separated from my girlfriend that was really um, not a fun time, but um, I 
started doing these streaming gigs called the Sunday Fry Up, kind of a pun on like we have a breakfast dish here called the Fry Up, which is like two eggs, two rashers, two sausages, two puddings, not dessert pudding now, but blood sausage. And uh, so that was kind of the idea there. I do a Sunday session or whatever. And as the weeks went on, only three people were tuning in, one of them being my mother, the other being my girlfriend, and the other being this lady in Ohio named Kendra. So it wasn't really fulfilling. And I'm glad that I could entertain their days, obviously. But at the same time, like I got into music for want of um, there's kind of like a, there's a high that comes from performing that is greater than any drink or drug will give you. And when you have that removed from you, it's really, really challenging. And it's especially more challenging to try and find um, means of being creative when the world itself at the moment isn't overly inspiring. I mean, you turn on the radio here, you hear COVID. You turn on the TV, you hear COVID. You walk outside the street, there's COVID. It's just, it's inescapable. And I don't really want to be writing songs about that because it just doesn't really inspire me. So it's 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 definitely challenging, especially when I had my biggest song ever with Steve Wickham from the Waterboys, and you, he's done some songs with you too. But that came out this summer, and since then I've just been in a never-ending writer's block, really. Yeah, I, you know that's I, you're you're the first performer, like musician that I that I've had to, you know, had the pleasure of having a nice conversation with. So, yeah, I can imagine that's probably. I would think that that would be even harder to deal with than just you know um, losing a job because it's more than just a job to you, right? It's not a job; that's your passion, and and it, it's not just the the gigs that you're losing, but it's that creativity that's that's been sort of stagnant because of all this. So that's even worse. Yeah, oh, it would be like I um. I never really got into music for uh, money or women, even though it leads to both. But um, I didn't, you know, I just, I always saw the guy on the stage with the guitar and I wanted to be him, you know, and that's been kind of deprived from me. And if you try and fight for yourself, at least in Ireland, you know, some people will say, oh, that's quite selfish of you. But really, like, I don't know, because... There are certain things like professional sports is allowed to go ahead in empty stadiums and, you know, shops can pack people in even though they're wearing a mask. Why can't we have a six feet separated, big open air ventilated room show? Like, what's to stop that? And I see in the States, they're doing that all the time in certain states. And I do like that. But then I guess it's up to the scientists. But it just, I know there is a lot of money in this country in keeping and keeping it locked down so that's that's part of the reason you know politics is politics no matter no matter how much they tell you whatever you know i'm not a big fan of politicians of any kind um so that would be my answer to that but yeah no for sure um yeah and it's so in ireland uh, i guess it's all like all the rules are just the same for the whole um country right like here our our you know, rules are mandated by the province. So each province kind of sets their own guidelines on how this is dealt with. But in Ireland, is it just like all the same in the, through the whole country? Yeah, you see, Ireland is so small that it could all fit into the body of Lake Michigan. But 
in that it doesn't feel that small like you couldn't walk the whole island in a day for example i think it's severely um cliche to say ireland's a small country but in terms of like for western nations it's certainly a small country um but yeah we don't have like states rights or whatever everything just comes from all the dogma comes from Dáil Éireann, uh, which is our parliamentary building in Dublin, and they make decisions for the rest of the country, which is also super frustrating because Dublin has a population of a million people, and I think Galway only has it's less than five hundred thousand in the whole county anyway. So it'd be nice if we could have like you know, kind of the way America's doing it, where certain states make their own rules based on their cases. I don't know what's stopping that here, but then I suppose because Irish people are social creatures, if Galway was open, for example, and Dublin was closed, everyone from Dublin would go straight up to Galway. So I don't know. It's hard to yeah. Uh, I mean, it's hard to make a decision, but it's definitely nail biting. Like no, I mean, and it's it's the same here. Like like our our province is one of the smaller populations. It's not. I mean, it's sort of the probably middle of the road, um, but our rules are are you know somewhat different than say Ontario, which is, you know, Toronto. So that's the big population. So they're, and they're getting hit a lot harder. So it is different. So yeah, we don't, just because they're a bigger population, we don't have the same lockdowns based on what goes on with them. So, so that I guess in a way is good. Um, but you know, um, at the same time, sometimes you feel like maybe we should have done something the, the same as the other provinces or whatever, but that's just not how it works. Um, do you find, um, like, like, what are the numbers in, in Ireland? Uh, are, are they fairly low compared to, say, I think um, we have England? the highest. I think, we, well, England actually has the highest infection rate when you when you factor in population size, like obviously US is at the top, but when you factor it, factor in the population size, uh, size, United Kingdom is way, way up high. But I was reading in an article there. Um, well, to be honest with you, I only saw the headline and scrolled on by because I just couldn't deal with it. But it, it was saying that we have the highest amount of cases in Europe. So that's obviously not good, but it doesn't really feel like we do, but then again, maybe that's because I haven't seen any of my friends since uh, like November, <laughs> you know. So, so you're locked down tight enough that you can't even uh, like I know here um, our current lockdown, we're not allowed to have anybody from outside of our household over. Like we can't have guests in our, you know, if you don't, if you don't live at this place, you don't come in this place. And that even extends to outside. Like you can't have somebody hang out in your backyard if they don't live in that house. So yeah, for us, our only way to, to like, the only way that I get to see my kids is in, you know, face, FaceTime and, and that sort of thing. And it's been like that since, you know, um, mid November, I think for this current lockdown. So yeah, we're, we, we don't, we don't, uh, we're, we're pretty much isolated. We get to go outside. I mean, you know, we can go to the park and go for a walk and that sort of thing. But, um, even that, they, you know, they try to make sure that households stick together and you're not mixing with other households. 
Yeah, it would be the same in Ireland, just the added caveat of if you are going outside, you cannot go outside of a five-kilometer radius. Oh, okay. See, with us, it's not – they don't really do that. What the, I guess they've had um, provincial lockdowns where you're not allowed to go to cross the borders of the province. But as far as, yeah, they've never come up with any of that. And we've never had curfew here yet either, but they are talking about it. Do you, do you guys have any curfew? Ah, uh, yeah, they want to say that. But like, I think that's just, you know, head, like that's kind of probably to just get the people that aren't following the rules to follow the rules. Because, I mean, obviously I might be a bit biased here, but what is the sense of having a curfew when people are in their houses all day anyway? Like, you know what I mean? I don't think anyone who's going outside necessarily wants to be unless, you know, something terrible is happening. Like maybe there's a situation of domestic abuse or someone's homeless, but really like everyone in Ireland sticks by the rules. Um, I've not, I don't really know anyone that, that deflects from them. So we are like, there's a, there's a term in Ireland called metal, and it, there's no direct translation, but it basically means like the sense of togetherness. You know, if someone dies in my village, for example, everyone goes to the funeral. Or if something bad happens, like a number of years ago, this this guy from our village, he had an accident in Australia and we all organized a big um, 26 kilometer long bike race and raised bike route and raised a bunch of money doing that cycle so there is a there's a tangible sense of togetherness here and even though we're not physically together in terms of like following restrictions and stuff we would be united in that sense see that's really something because coming from from you know canada and and you know the states and stuff that's definitely not the case at all um like even here, as small as we are population-wise, we have um, people, you know, protest rallies. Uh, we just had one um, for a hockey game, um, a professional hockey game. The NHL started up last week, and and they protested in front of the arena. No masks, no social distancing. It was, you know, and, and we've we've had a number of, of those in in the past few weeks with different. Uh, church groups or or just just groups that say you know this isn't real we don't want to wear masks we're not going to do this you know whatever so yeah there's no there's no real sense of everybody sort of rowing in the same direction here that that's definitely not the case well i suppose i would be kind of the only one that's um you see i'm not someone who believes that coronavirus is fake or any of that i do acknowledge that the virus is real but i would be a huge critical thinker and i would be a huge uh questioner of higher power whether that's the church or the state and i think there's a lot of double standards like we had this thing happen in ireland over the summer called Golfgate, where politicians had a big dinner that the citizens weren't allowed to have like they weren't wearing masks they weren't social distancing there was 10 of them at a table they were breaking their own rules and so when you see stuff like that it's really discouraging um so i just kind of point out the hypocrisies from time to time and not a lot of people like that but i think it's because you know they maybe perceive me as being you know one of these like uh, q type fellows even though i'm not 
Um, but yeah, I guess in my situation, what I would like to see is something how Massachusetts does it. Like uh, restaurants and stuff still be open, but maybe at half capacity. Outdoor dining where possible. Wear the mask, social distance, sanitize the hands, contact tracing if need be. Although I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a fan of putting an app on my phone. I think that's a little too invasive. But um, something like that in Ireland would do a world of good here, especially because our culture is so sociable. But for some reason, we're not doing that. And then you see the politicians not even following their own rules. It's it's really discouraging. Like, and it it actually kind of makes you angry a small bit. Um, but yeah. No, we yeah we had a lot of that here um, over Christmas too. We had a lot of politicians. Um, same thing. They're telling everybody, "Oh, you have to stay in. You have to isolate, and all these sorts of things." And they went. Um, there was some that went to Mexico over the holidays. Some went to Hawaii. You know, all these different travel places where they shouldn't have gone. At least they were saying that you shouldn't go, but they did. And the dumb thing was they they posted pictures on like Facebook and, and, uh, you know, different social media, uh, you know, saying, Hey, you know, the weather's great in, in, you know, Hawaii or whatever. So they got nailed. I mean, there was, they, they sort of, if, if they would have kept it quiet, they might've got away with it. But, and then there was a pretty big uproar. You know, there was a lot of calls for them to resign. There's a couple of, of them that actually uh, lost their cabinet posts, because of the stuff like that. So yeah, we, we, we've got the same sort of thing going on here too. I will say in instances like that though, other countries are pretty good at like, you know, admitting when they're wrong and resigning. Ireland, like our politicians can do a number of atrocities and they will still stay in power. And over this pandemic, actually, a lot of politicians have been getting pay rises. Imagine that the health Health minister now is going to be making 300,000 euro per year. He's getting an extra 81 grand a year. Meanwhile, the average uh the average family like couldn't make 80 grand a year. So, it's just it's kind of an insult when we're on the verge of a recession that we've never seen before that these politicians are getting more money from us the taxpayer. It like it grinds your gears, you know. No, for sure. I mean, I I I don't I mean, our politicians in general, I, I don't know. I don't, you know, I, I haven't heard anything like that. I think for the most part, they've, they've, other than, you know, those ones that, you know, do, you know, did the travel, but it wasn't like it was like everybody. I mean, I think our, our politicians have generally, I've been okay with the way they've handled the, the pandemic so far, but, um, I mean, you know, when it's done, I guess that's the time that we're going to have to look and say, how well did you do? What could you have done differently? But yeah, I definitely don't think that we would put up with them giving themselves raises here either. That would not go down well at all. Yeah, I have to uh, correct what I said. I said that um, the health minister is getting a pay rise that I misspoke. It's actually the... um, Department of Health, the Secretary General of the Department of Health. So, yeah, I misspoke there. I just wanted to clear that out so I wouldn't be uh, misspeaking or libeling anyone or anything, you know? Yeah, yeah. But it's the same thing. I mean, what you're saying is the same, just a different person. But the hypocrisy is the same regardless. 
Oh, absolutely. And it's really, it's really, um, I just, I don't know. I think Irish people are too forgiving when it comes to these things because everyone will be outraged, but they won't act on it, you know, which is, I guess, a good thing. You know, I, I would never want to see like another civil war happen in this country. And obviously down in the States, things are spicy at the moment. And I don't really want to see that level of tension here. And I don't think that level of tension would be possible anyway. But at the same time, like, you know, if we don't start holding people accountable, then things like those pay rises, they're going to become the new normal. You know what I mean? That'll be the new normal. Never mind all the social distancing, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So do you do you have any plans of, of going back to Boston anytime soon? Obviously, I do. I am a, uh, well, it's not obvious to you. Sorry, that sounded a little uh, cheeky. I didn't mean it like that. But no, I do. I would. Um, my girlfriend is over there. And the plan is in June that I will be a full-time um, mass hole, as they say. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. Although it's it's kind of, I've been getting sleepless nights a lot because, you know, I haven't really had too much income and it's hard to like uh, plan getting a decent apartment when money's so tight and you know the chat like it there's everything's up in the air at the moment and it's kind of it's difficult to deal with but i don't know you see normally i can just put my set put my mind towards a goal in the future even if it's something as small as like i don't know like by june i'll be i don't know something or other i can't really give an example but I don't really have anything to look forward to right now. So it's just kind of hard to, um, it's hard to like, I don't know, cope, I guess. Or it's getting harder to cope. But I've started doing smaller things. Like I've started lifting weights and stuff. And obviously I've started my own podcast, Ireland and Beyond, which is how I found out about you and you found out about me. Um, so little things like that keep me distracted. But it's just, it's it's hard to, it feels harder to make living in Boston in June a reality at the moment, but it could just be that, you know, maybe tomorrow lockdown will be over and I can get a job and everything will be great. But for right now, it's kind of all up in the air. So, How, how often do they ad- address the, the current lockdown? Like, do they look at it once a week or like, I know for us, they, they just announced yesterday that they're looking at possibly opening uh, some things up Friday, but they haven't made a, a, a firm decision yet. So in a couple of days, things could change for us a little bit, but we don't know for sure till Friday. But um, they do they do look at it usually like, I don't know, once every week or two, depending on, on what our numbers are, I guess. Yeah, we don't have anything like that at all. And when we do have it, it's whenever we're not in a lockdown and they're always kind of like, coaxing us into telling us there's another lockdown coming i remember in september in september we were in uh, level three i think it was which you could only have 15 people outside of a bar which is not ideal like it didn't matter how how big the pub was like there was no more than 15 people paying you know money to drink and eating etc but um you had to uh, be outside so that was that was okay. I said, oh, well, if this is the, the worst it'll get from now on, like that'll be manageable. At least businesses, they won't be making a lot of money, but the, you know, people will still be able to support them if they want to. 
And then we ha- went into level five to save Christmas. Christmas Eve came around and they put us into level five again. So we had like two days of normality and then it was back into lockdown. Um, so it's just, it's frustrating. But what can you do? Like, there's nothing I can do really. Just speak my mind and hopefully other people think the same. And, you know, that's all you can do, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, the way I see it, uh, the, you know, I have no control over what's going to happen with this thing. Other than, you know, I decide if I wear a mask, which I do, um, you know, I, I have, I decide, you know, the, the, the social distancing I'm going to do and, and, you know, the, the hand washing and that sort of thing. But other than that, I really have no control over where this thing is going to go or how it's going to go. I mean, I, I just, you know, you, you don't, I mean, it's like you're in free fall and, and you just have to hope when you land, it's going to be a soft landing, but we don't know. Yeah, the hardest part about all this is like the fact that we can't see other people. We can't really build up a network. Like if the recession that's coming is as bad as Germany when the Deutschmark was really inflated and people had a barter and stuff, I guarantee in my village, like there'd be people that, you know, slaughter a chicken for you or we could give eggs to people and stuff like that. But because no one's really meeting up or that's not really allowed, it's kind of impossible to do that. And what's even more crazy is level five now uh, in the shops, all the garden centers are closed. So if you wanted to buy seeds to plant food for the future, you can't even do that, which is just outrageous because we all know a recession's coming. They're talking about it in the media nonstop, but yet they won't let their own citizens grow their own food. Like that's just a little extreme for me. But like I said, I, yeah. I don't know. We have no control over it. So. Do you, do you have family in, in like close to you? Yeah, I live I live with my uh, three brothers and my mom and my dad commutes between Ireland and uh, and the US. He was home here for Christmas, but he's actually heading home there in uh, four days time, and he probably won't be back for uh, for a while. So, so what about your brothers? What 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 do they do? Do they um, are they just like locked down too? They they can't go to work, or do they have jobs or? Oh, I should say my family's pretty young. Like I'm the oldest and I'm only 21. So my youngest brother is 13. My two middle brothers are 18 and 17. So, um, yeah, it's, um, they're just, they're like me just kind of getting on. But I think where they have an advantage is, um, they are, <laughs> they're single. So like, they don't really have anyone that like, I don't know think if they were in a relationship right now it'd be tough but yeah how was christmas um for you for you christmas for me was uh it was all right like um just kind of low-key but i was fortunate enough to escape to the u.s for a few days and get a test and everything so it meant i didn't have to stay in a hotel or anything for two weeks which i wouldn't have been able to do but i landed in boston and I got the test the next day and the following day I had the results and I spent that week with my girlfriend's family and Jesus, I was making them a different breakfast every morning and we went snow tubing and it just, it's crazy because I was in lockdown for so long that I haven't experienced that much activity in that short of a time. So even though the week was flying by, when I looked back, it felt like a year had passed by because I had done so much 
during that week that I wouldn't have done here in Ireland. And it kind of reminds me of when you're when you're really young, a summer feels like forever because you might only be four or five years old. So six months feels like a long chunk of time. But as you get older, summers go by quicker um, because you've been on earth longer. But yet this lockdown has kind of made my daily activities so limited that time goes by pretty slowly. So when I was looking back at my week in Boston, it, f- it felt like longer than a week. But at the same time, because every day we were doing so much, the days went by quicker. It's weird. Like looking back, it felt like forever, but day to day, it felt like not long enough. I don't know how to explain it. So how do you cope with 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 all the the boredom, the you know, all the time on your hands right now? Like, like how do you cope with that? What do you do? Uh, well, I do have some online classes for college and stuff because I'm a student, but. I'm in a really not suited for online course. It's filmmaking. And, you know, unless we're doing selfie Snapchat Mm -hmm. stories, it's not exactly, uh, it's not really inspiring with that. And even with music, like I wouldn't be, I'm not much of a fantasy guy. Like I don't make up stories. I'm more of a bard. Like I kind of tell the stories of the world around me. And as I was saying earlier, like everywhere you look, it's fucking Corona, Corona, Corona. And I just, don't want to write a song about that it doesn't inspire me i wish i wish it could but I, it just doesn't like when it hits me it hits me and when it doesn't it doesn't i'm not one of these guys that yeah. can just hash out a few rhyming words and hope for the best i have to have like something has to stir me emotionally so yeah i mean i i don't know i guess i guess i'm just lucky that that um i mean for me the the, the biggest problem that that you know that biggest thing that i've had to give up in the pandemic is not not seeing my kids um face to face um you know i I haven't had dinner with any of my kids um in almost a year um you know we see them in in the summertime you know i was able to go for bike rides and stuff but we had to stay away from each other and you know, we'd go for walks and stuff, but the same, we had to stay away from each other. Um, my, my youngest son and, and his girlfriend are expecting, um, this spring. And, and when he came and, and told me, um, it was on my birthday and I couldn't give him a hug. You know what I mean? I couldn't, you know, and so that, that kind of, you know, kind of bothered me. But, um, other than that, I'd say our day-to-day lives, other than, you know, being in lockdown. But, I mean, I'm a retired guy, so, you know, that's kind of not that different from being retired anyway. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, luckily, you know, financially, I, you know, I'm retired. I get my pension, so, I mean, I'm okay there. But, I, like I said, the biggest thing is probably not having that physical connection with my kids. I think that's probably my biggest um, drawback right now. And, and another, like I had my, my brother moved into the same, uh, apartment complex that me and my girlfriend live in. My brother and his wife moved in uh, a couple of months after we did, but yet I can't see him and we're, we're pretty close. Uh, but I've, I've, you know, we, we helped him move some boxes when they first moved in and that was it. And he's been here for a few months and, and we might pass each other in the parkade and sort of, you know, Hey, how's it going? But that's it. I can't go to his place and hang out. He doesn't come here. So that's kind of weird that we live in the same building, but yet we can't see each other. So that's kind of weird. 
Yeah, it must be tough because I, like I, I, I'm a kid myself, so I don't really have children. But I'd imagine, you know, that a paternal bond is more powerful than maybe even like with your um with your significant other. Like you know, they say that you love your kids more than you do your your wife or whatever. Um, so I, I'd imagine it's really tough for you. If you felt comfortable enough, would you see them or? are you kind of high risk like i'm not no. sure how old you are so i don't mean to pry but no no I, I yeah no i'm only 60 and i don't have any underlying health conditions but because you know like with my son because you know his girlfriend's pregnant we we would stay away and and they they feel the same way like it's not like they put any pressure on us to to see them either like um, they understand, you know, for, it's for each other. So yeah, no, I, I won't see them until we're, we're sure that we're okay. And, and that, you know, we won't be bringing anything to them. So I think it'll probably still be a few months, but I, I, I think the end is coming, you know, with the vaccines and everything. I, I, I don't think I'll go through another winter like this. So I just have to get through this winter, I think, and then I'll be okay. Yeah, that's it. You know, there's a, saying that it's going to get hard before it can get easy and uh i think i don't know i'm optimistic that even though things might take a turn for the worse this year perhaps as with every other virus it tends to mutate and you've got all these other variant strains i think once we see the under the other side of that you know between people that have actually been infected and people that have been injected I think we'll have enough kind of herd immunity that life can resume to normal. Um, but what if I, if you don't mind me asking, what's the testing system like over there? Because everyone in America always tells me that the testing system is the worst in the world, but it's harder to get a test in Ireland than it is in America. And if you want to get a test and you're asymptomatic in this country, you have to get tested twice. Well, we can, I, I've been tested once so far. Um, my, my girlfriend was kind of feeling, you know, she, she wasn't sure what the symptoms were like, you know, she was feeling sort of flu-like symptoms and stuff. And uh, so we both went and got tested, but it was easy. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a testing facility. We just drove to this facility and, and it took about an hour for us to get in and out of there, but that's, you know, no big deal. But yeah, there was no cost or anything like that. It was easy to get. We didn't have to, you know, wait days to get it. It took a few days to get the um, results back. But yeah, it, it was it was very easy to get the test here. Yeah, that's good. I just, um, I was curious about that because I noticed like, I think another reason why Ireland is going for the lockdown route is because our testing is a joke like the government likes to tout that we have good testing or whatever but it's really hard to get one unless unless you're sick and like i said earlier in the podcast back in march when uh, the gpc gp said we had it even then like they weren't even sure because you couldn't get a test unless you know you were on death's door so it's it's unfortunate but hopefully I think this summer I might try and get an antibody test just for my own um, comfort to see, you know, am I liable again to get it or whatever. But uh, plus, I'd also like to donate my blood if I can. Although I know a lot of um, Irish people can't give blood because we have low vitamin D levels. 
because it's always raining here. So, was there anybody else in your family that had it when you had it, or was it just you? Oh, everyone in the house, like, and it all affected people differently, which wow. is strange. So, like, my mom and I pretty much had the same symptoms, same side effects, but like my brother Jer, he didn't have any taste or smell for months, you know. And the little fella, Colum, he's the youngest; he's only thirteen. It didn't affect him at all. That must have been scary that everybody had it, though. I, I don't know. I don't know if that would freak me out or not. I, I'm not sure. Um, I, luckily for me, I don't know anybody, you know, nobody in my family has has had it yet here, and hopefully nobody will. But, um, yeah, we, did, we didn't go through any. I haven't seen, I haven't seen uh, like, firsthand anybody with the virus. I, the only person I've known that has had it is um, my son's girlfriend's mother had it and and she it was like a fatigue sort of thing and and you know she she stayed home and 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 you know quarantined for a couple of weeks and and then she was fine she's back at work everything's okay now and nobody in her family got it other than her so yeah that's the only person i know so i I haven't you know known hardly anybody to to get it here which is good yeah no that's a very good thing Uh, There was a bit of a scare with uh, my girlfriend and her family because one of the kids she babysits, uh, their family had got it. So they thought that then uh, my girlfriend's family would get it. But thankfully, uh, they didn't. And she even got tested twice and came back negative both times. So that's good. That kind of put my mind at ease because it affects everyone differently. Like for me, the lingering effect is, oh, I hate onions now you know what i mean but for other people they're on the ventilator and they die so it's kind of it's the worst virus to exist because even with ebola ebola was deadly but it killed the host so quickly that it couldn't really spread that far with this covid it can take two weeks to develop symptoms and in that two weeks god knows how many people you infect it's just it's it's a Mm -hmm. mind boggle and uh yeah so do you does ireland are they sort of locked up away from um the uk right now have they sort of said okay you guys can't come in here now especially with that new strain um no not not really there are some hiccups with brexit and stuff but nothing really with covid that i've seen like they it's weird they do have the borders open which i can see why a lot of irish people are angry about it because you know, there's this new Brazilian strain and Brazilian people are coming to Ireland all the time. But what I have to say there is like, I'm kind of lucky that we still have the option to travel if we wanted to. And right now is probably the best time to get flights because there's so few people on the plane that your risk of infection is minimal. Like Mm -hmm. I would rather fly now tomorrow than I would when planes start getting full capacity again, because there's always the risk that someone might have it you know what i mean so um i don't know i'm kind of i'm kind of lucky that i'm a dual citizen and that i can visit america whenever i want really but um i definitely do see the anger of having having the borders open but maybe i'm just being selfish i don't know no i mean i mean like here our our land borders to the states are closed so you can't drive across 
you know, to the States and they can't come here unless you're, you're bringing goods. So, you know, the trucks can get through bringing goods back and forth, but you can't just drive to the States, but you can fly. So, um, so it's not really closed. It's, it's sort of closed, but not really. So, um, yeah, I don't, I mean, for me, I, I think I'm going to hold off on any flights, especially going into the States right now, depending on where, I guess. But, you know, I mean, I'm in no rush to start traveling again, but hopefully soon, hopefully in the next year or so, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. And, um, even if it's the case that Canada is so vast, like even the population would be kind of low for as big as a country it is, like I'd I'd love to visit it. I'd I'd love to go to Newfoundland or New Newfoundland, as they say. Um, I hear they all have kind of semi Irish accents, which is kind of cool. Newfoundland is very much the way you've described Ireland. Uh, like I haven't been to Newfoundland, but I have worked. I, I used to work in northern uh, Canada in different places, and I worked with a lot of Newfies, and and yeah, they they're they're exactly the way you describe. Irish people, very laid back, very community like oriented. There's a great uh, documentary called "The Atlantic" with the. Uh, it was directed by Richard O'Donnell, which translates to Richard O'Donnell in English, and that shows how there's. Um, it's all about fishing, and uh, the. It there, he makes a connection between Ireland. And Newfoundland and that, and I thought it was, I thought it was really, really cool. So I would watch that. The Atlantic, it's called. Are, are you going to take the vaccine when you can, even though you've had the virus? Um, no, me personally, no. But I don't think I'll have a choice in the matter either, which is why I, um, I'm kind of fearful. Because I know, like the doctors are going to be getting paid 120 euro an hour to every person they uh, they vaccinate. So obviously, there's a financial incentive from the medical side to vaccinate everyone. But at the same time, like if if what I went through in March is the same as what I could possibly go through again if I get it again, I'd be happy to take that risk. Um, and I'm not an anti-vax person either. Like I've I've probably had more vaccines than the average Irish and American person because Ireland requires you to get certain vaccines and America gets you to get requires you to get certain vaccines and I've had both. So uh, I've I've been like heavily vaccinated throughout my life but I don't know mRNA it's still kind of experimental that from my understanding of it I'd rather just wait for the general population to get it and uh, see how they react to it because even then like you know people are saying that you can get the vaccine but there's no guarantee that it's not going to stop you from transmitting covid to anyone else and with the traditional vaccine you've got a weakened form of the virus with these mrna vaccines they're not actually infecting you with covid at all they're just editing your genetic sequencing that if you should get covid perhaps it will fight off the virus and it's been 95 percent effective I think the Moderna one was with their sample size. But of course, the larger your sample size is, then uh, the more realistic the data is. So I don't know. I'm going to wait and see. But um, 
if other people want to get it, I'm not going to stop them. And likewise, I'm not going to force anyone to take it either. I still do think like we should have a choice. Like people can eat McDonald's or people can eat a, a salad, even though salad's better for you. You know, you can eat McDonald's if you want. Who the hell am I to say it? You know. Well, I, I think there's three there's three camps when it comes to the vaccine, and I think you got one that yeah. Give me the, you know, I'm, I'm rolling up my sleeve. I'll take it right now. Then you got the other that, that says much like what you said. Um, I, I, I believe in it, but I want to wait and see to make sure that it's going to be okay. So give it to me in the last batch of people to get it in case there's anything they have to sort out. And then I think, and then of course you're going to have the anti-vaxxers that will just never take it. Um, you know, um, for me, I think based on, on my, you know, that I'm 60 and I have no underlying conditions, I think I will probably be the bottom 20% of Canadians to get it. And, and, and that's fine. I got no problem with that. But I think by the time it gets to that, I'll, I'll be there. If they call me up and say, okay, you're ready. I'm there. I'll take it. Because uh, like I said, I think by the time I get it, and if there were any issues, they they would have worked it out by then. Um, so yeah, for me, I, I'm ready to get it. I, I just, I, I guess I, I just feel the, the you know, uh, the alternative to me, it just isn't worth the risk of not taking it. But Absolutely. like you said, you, you've had it. So, that, you know, you're coming from a different space. But here's a question, because I think what's going to happen is I think when this is all said and done and, and we're sort of back to whatever the new normal is going to be, I think it's possible. I'm, I don't know for sure, obviously, but I would not be surprised if they had some sort of um, like an ID showing that you've been vaccinated and i wouldn't be surprised if if certain countries are going to say show me your passport show me your proof of vaccination and if you don't have that proof of proof of vaccination you're not going to enter that country like i wouldn't be surprised if that's where we're headed with this and in that case would you take it then just to be able to travel yeah uh i'm still gonna answer no to that but the thing is, I think they're kind of holding that, they're dangling that card over people's head to kind of get them to travel. And they'll say things like, oh, it's a private business, you know, they can do whatever they want. But at the same time, like, if I'm not correct, is it not coercion to force people to do something they don't want to do? I don't know. It's hard. Like, I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's my answer. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I, 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 and, and like I could be totally off base here. That's just I, I, I could see that happening. I, I've, you know, I, I have no information to to say that. It's just I have a. I wouldn't be surprised if something like that wasn't put in place in some countries. But oh, you know, they're who, definitely. Who knows? It's definitely in the pipeline. Like you can already see Ireland. If you're coming into Ireland now, you'll have to prove that you have a negative test. And similarly, from the 26th of January, if you're flying anywhere in the American airspace, you have to prove that you have a negative test. And I think this will be sort of red tape that's going to annoy people that they have to get a test done to the point where when the vaccine comes around, they'll say, okay, you have to get a test or you can get the vaccine and prove you have the vaccine. And we've already seen countries like 
uh, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but there's a European country that has already started compiling a list of people who refuse to take the vaccine, and they've opened their country up to tourists that have only had their two doses of vaccines. So it's already in the pipeline that that's the way the world is going to go. And especially, like, uh, I don't really follow or comment on U.S. politics because I don't really, I don't live there full time, so it's not my place to say. But I think with Joe Biden being inaugurated, it's similar to Woodrow Wilson and his idea of the League of Nations. I think with Joe Biden being in, it's going to solidify... a more global approach to it. So I think whatever the US, China, Russia, Great Britain, all the five superpowers, whatever they do, I think the rest of the world will have to comply. And if they don't, then who knows what's going to happen. I mean, look what's going on in Belarus. They're uh, not having a lockdown, so they can't get money from the IMF. Is that right? Is that wrong? I don't know. I don't live in Belarus. It's not my place to say. But I, I definitely do think you're right. Like there is... It's definitely looking likely that people will have to no job, no job, as they say. One one last question: Where do you see yourself in in a year from now? I kind of get miserable um, thinking about that, to be honest with you, because I was such a kind of a futuristic person. Like I've always looked forward to the future, and I would kind of better myself throughout the year, so that way, when the next year comes. Um, I would have achieved kind of a goal or whatever. Now everything's just so up in the air that it's hard to plan for the future. Ideally, I'd like to be with my girlfriend in Boston, maybe a few chickens and a dog in the back garden if we're lucky. But it it doesn't, it, that sounds like wishful thinking at the moment. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I take it a more optimistic viewpoint, I guess. Um, I mean, for me, I think... Uh, you know, I, I think, I think we're going to be out of this by next fall. I, I, I don't think I'm going to go through another winter of, of, you know, these lockdowns or anything like this. I think, you know, next Christmas I'm going to, you know, be with my family. Um, yeah, I, I, I think by next fall, we're going to start getting to some sort of normal and, and yeah, I, I just see, you know, not having to go through another winter of this. That, that's kind of what I see. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of looking at things. Well, let's let's hope we, we you know, that, that's the way it happens, but we'll see. Anyway, thanks for sharing, Patty, and stay safe. Likewise. Thanks for having me on, Grant. It's been an absolute pleasure 